0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the motorsport podcast in association with Mercedes-Benz.
1: Some things are made to cope with puddles and rain. Others deal with the stickiest of mud. And as for the snow, that takes a warm coat and sure footing. But when it comes to dealing with all conditions, there's only one thing that springs to mind. Mercedes-Benz 4 all-wheel drive performance in any condition so whatever the weather or road throws at you you're ready to see the 4 range for yourself visit your local mercedes-benz retailer the eagle-eyed amongst
0: you will notice that things are a little bit different today because we're at race retro and we're surrounded by some of uh, the world's greatest motorsports bits of history, some of the cars, and also some of the people. Um, joining me today, we have Matt Oxley and Freddie Hello, Spencer. Man. Thank you both so Hello. much Great for, to be here. for joining me. Um, now, Freddie, we did a podcast last year with you talking about your history in the sport, and, and we covered loads of topics. But today, what we're going to try and focus on is the 2017 season. Uh, it's Motor TV and by the looks of things, it's going to be incredibly exciting. Um, I don't think anyone for the last 10 years has started a conversation like this without starting with the Italian Valentino Rossi. Um, He's entering his 22nd season now. Um, Can you comprehend why he still does it?
2: Well, first off, 22 years in Grand Prix racing at the very top is is a feat that uh, you wouldn't normally see. And it's obviously uh, speaks volumes about uh, Valentino's inspiration that he has within himself his will to want to keep doing it to push himself i think also the fact that he's had these challenges in the last six seven years you know with lorenzo when he came along in in 08 09 and then that transition to ducati that didn't go very well and then coming back and wanting to to prove that he could still win a race first which he did in 13 and then to win the championship, which he almost did in in 2015, I think it's also the fact that he's been re-energized by Mark Marquez coming along uh, in 13, and then also his dirt tracking, you know, his ranch and riding with all the kids that he does in his academy, and so he's he's utilized very specific things that I think has kept his motivation going, and at the end of the day. There's no one loves being Valentino better than Valentino, and he's great at it, and he's, he's, you know, he's inspired his contribution to the sport. He knows his place in that and what he's, what he's contributed to the growth of, of Grand Prix racing outside of the motorcycle community only. And um, so, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, I know we'll talk a little bit about specific things as in the broadcast that I want to address that I think... You know we're at a critical point for him, though, at his age and the changes with uh, the tire, the front tire a little bit this year, and with the arrival of Nales. And it's going to be interesting.
3: I think uh, the kind of crazy thing about Valentino is, it's everybody says, "Oh, well, this this will be his last year," or he can't keep upping the pace and so on. But kind of what I've realized is, you can't, you know, you can only judge people generally by what other people have achieved. And so you tend to do that with Valentino, but the thing is that you actually can't do that because already he's way ahead of, of what anybody's achieved, and and so you can't actually say, well, he's gonna, this will be it, because you know everybody else when they get to thirty eight, they've had enough. You you have to judge him as completely unique, because obviously, yeah, to want to do that after twenty two years is just, you know, he does it because he loves it, but you know, it's almost impossible for anyone. To imagine what it would be like to, to, to yeah, to, to, to still be racing at the highest level after 22 years in cars, let alone bikes, you know. And uh,
0: you know, talking about 22 years, the amount of change in terms of technology, riding style. I mean, Freddie, what he's he's had to change things so many times, and that's kind of one of his, you know, one of his best assets, I guess, is that he adapts so well.
2: Yes, yeah, one of the, one of the things I respect most about what Valentino's done, because having raced 500s. And, and won races and championships on the, on that bike, the two-stroke, with no electronics or anything. And and the two-stroke is a very unique in its characteristics, engine characteristics, so the way you ride the bike. And then to make the transition to the MotoGP bike, um, and, and then this latest evolution in his riding style of getting off the bike further and that he basically you know mark first casey did that really and then mark marquez kind of refined it and so you know that i respect a lot uh, that he was able to do it and later in his career in his age you know he made that change in his riding style in his late 30s mid 30s you know and it's it's not easy anytime to do that and so to be able to do that and to be competitive and the other thing too is ability is one thing but the racecraft is the real key for him. That his ability to run a consistently quick pace is his strongest asset. And in my opinion, he's gotten better at it later in life, even though he hadn't won a championship these last years, is he makes less mistakes now, I feel, than ever, which is a, a, you know, again, I respect that.
3: I think one of the things with Valentino that, um, you know, outside immediately just riding the bike is that all through his career he's, he's been surrounded by the same people who are the kids that he grew up with yeah. and he has carried them with him everywhere and obviously he's, he's immensely wealthy now so he can do everything in a really easy way. He fly, used private jets to get places but one thing that stops a lot of people from racing is they just like Casey Stoner they just fed up with being a home, being away from home the whole time and that eventually after ten fifteen seasons gets gets to you and you want to retire and slow down a bit the thing about Valentino is that he kind of he kind of takes home with him yeah you know he 's actually not away when he when he travels because he 's surrounded by the same kids that he was spending time with when he was five ten years old yeah. so and they 're all on an adventure you know basically let's let 's go and have some fun yes and so, so he makes the whole traveling thing a very pleasurable well, as pleasurable as it can be and, and and it's like he's not away from home and i think that's a big reason
2: yes i agree the way that
3: he's that he's still able to keep racing
2: well if you look at it for sure that that's why i said that there's n- no one understands being valentino better than valentino and and so he understands his place in doing that and that has a lot to do with it too it's it's fascinating back when i raced i I raced, you know, off and on, you know, 10 seasons. And I would always travel back to Louisiana every two weeks. And I would, you know, basically come to a Grand Prix, show up, go to a race, get back to the plane and go back. And you're right. As I got older and the way, what I'm doing now and what I'm riding now and the traveling, you know, I'm away from, I've basically been traveling for years doing it. I could have never imagined doing this. But for me, and this, this is the point I want to make, is that Valentino understands. It's why he didn't go do cars. He understands racing. And he actually, that's when he's at his most at peace, is at a Grand Prix, you know, preparing, working with the crew, like you said, and doing that. And there, there's something very, very special about that and, and his contribution to that. And I think that's a lot of it, too, is, is it's not a job. It's more than that,
3: you know. i speaking to um, Eddie Lawson, who obviously was a big yes, rival of yours. Absolutely. He only raced the last two seasons of his Grand Prix career. He wanted to stop and his management said, well, you know, um, what do you need to continue? What can we do to help you? And he's, he's basically like you, he, 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 he came back. He went back to California after every race and he got to the point. He said, literally, I could, just couldn't get out of the chair to get in the car to drive to Los Angeles airport, he just couldn't do it he was like I cannot stand it, so the management said how about if we get a helicopter to pick you up and he was like okay let's give that a go Okay, so that, that was the thing that that, that yeah. kept him going for another two years so literally a helicopter would arrive in his garden, pick him up and fly him to the kind of VIP entrance at LA airport, get on the plane off you go, so that took away a, that, a huge chunk of, of mm. pain in the excuse me, arse kind yeah. of work side of racing, which a lot of people don't understand that the racing's the almost the easy bit. It's the traveling, the relentless traveling, the relentless being away from home, out of your comfort zone, hotels, you know, after a few years, it drives you crazy. Is is that why you still go to
0: all the races that you've got a chopper picking you up and then off in your private jet? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I I, I thought so. You got that glint in your eye. Um, um, We mentioned mentioned him earlier in the conversation, but Maverick Vanallo for those that kind of don't know him because he hasn't come out of nowhere. Everyone knows he's extremely quick. and I think it's going to put a lot of pressure on Rossi. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But new teammate, Matt, just a little summary. Who is Maverick Vinales? Where does he come from?
3: Uh, Maverick, he comes from, uh, well, you know, the burgeoning Spanish scene. Two years younger than Mark Marquez, but actually um, beat Mar- Marquez. They used to race minibikes against each other and actually beat Marquez a couple of times um, when they were probably eight. Maverick was eight or nine and and uh, Mark was 10 or 11, so, and he fought his way up into one-two-fives. As soon as he arrived, he was one of those guys who thought, wow, I, mean, I think he won his fourth Grand Prix race with a, with a kind of amazing, uh, brave move at the last corner, you know, just kind of slightly crazy. But that's kind of what, you know, you see that will to win, straight away, bang, this guy, he's determined to yes. do whatever it takes. Um, won the Motor 3 title on the last corner of the last race you know, with a fantastic move, um, just completely took the other guy by surprise, w- won the world championship by about three inches, basically. Just just cut under him in the corner and just beat him to the line. Won his second or third Moto2 race, which was again one of those moments where you go, wow, yeah, he just jumped on a completely new bike, double the horsepower and everything, straight away bang. So that was the moment. I think you can ride, ride you can win a 125 Moto3 and that doesn't actually mean you're gonna make it all the way. But as soon as you get into the intermediate class, and you win, you go, right, this guy, he knows what he's doing. He's, he's got it. You know. um,
0: and he's obviously coming in, Rossi's teammate. Uh, it's, Rossi has had quite a history with teammates. What's, what's going to happen here? You know, is, is, Are they going to get on? I mean, they're getting on at the moment, but they haven't yeah. started racing yet.
2: Well, it, a lot of it depends on how much Valentino struggles, if he does struggle. You know, if you look at the preseason testing, what's been impressive about Maverick is the fact of his adaptability, from um, to the Yamaha, which you know is, should be you would think it's a little easier bike than maybe the Suzuki. You know, in, in its versatility, that's what everybody pretty much says. If you look at how quick he's been on different race tracks, Sebring, uh, you know, he well, was at, at Valencia, then Seabang, and now at at, at Phillip Island. It's a, it's a very good indication of his con- ability to adapt quickly to a circuit, which is another strong asset that he has, and great riders do, is their ability to adapt quickly to a new environment, new situation. So, you know, it, it, it's very fascinating. If we talk about maybe the difference right now, because they were, one of the, one of the things that, that Valentino had said and, and everybody agreed Uh, they talked about is the Yamals, the M1s performance late in the race using up the rear tire with the Michelins. Last year they they felt they struggled with that. So I know that's what they're working on. From what I understand, the the new front tire is on the Michelin, is a softer carcass which uh, requires usually a little better uh, brake control on the entrance, not as aggressive. One of Valentino's strong suit has always been under braking, and I think that's hurting him a little bit as we're seeing with the new construction from Michelin. Uh, Vinales doesn't seem to be having any trouble with that at all; he adapts to that pretty well. So we'll, we'll kind of have to see, and that's going to be an indication of how well they get along. You know, we saw with Ore and Valentino when they first got together, what an 08-09. Um, and Valentino struggled a bit. There was there was some friction between the riders. You know, he's he's competitive. You know, he wants to be the guy, and he normally is. I think
3: um, Hawke turning up at Yamaha kind of rather shocked Valentino, yes. and um, obviously. You know, eventually he walked out because he said, you know, it's either him or me and Yamaha are going, well, you're quite old now. Yeah. <laughs> this was 10 years ago, <laughs> exactly. or nearly. Um, you're quite old, so the future is with Jorge. Yeah. But, um, you know, they're very different, Valentino and Jorge, wow. incredibly different yes. characters. Whereas I think Maverick and uh, Maverick and Va- Valentino are much more similar as, as human beings, much more laid back. You know, you would never call Jorge laid back. He's very sort of quite in your face, whereas, Valentino and Maverick both quite humble, kind of ordinary people, really. You know, yeah. um, but the, the, what might ha- help Valentino is a, a he's used to being beaten now. He wasn't used to being beaten, really. Yes, and that's Jorge what's different up. this time. I agree. I so agree. he's kind yeah. of it's not going to yeah not going to destroy him. But also, uh, Vinales's uh, riding technique is much more similar to Valentino's mm. than than Hawkes was. So that could actually help
2: Absolutely. Valentino sure. because sure.
3: Jorge had the bike very different to the way Valentino did. So, you know, if Valentino was lacking something, he couldn't actually use a lot of Jorge's setup and so on to help him. But well. if, if, if Maverick and Valentino have a very similar setup, a very similar style, Valentino may be able to use, because obviously they can see each other's data, they can see each other's setup. So that actually could be a positive for Valentino this year.
2: You know, Matt, you said something that's very interesting, and, and it, this actually surprised me. When I read about the biggest problem that Jorge was having on the new Ducati, wasn't just the mid-corner steering issue, which has been around forever. It's, I mean, it's been around Jerry Burgess. We were, I was talking with Jerry years ago about the problem with Valentino on the Ducati, and that was a big issue that's something we all want is you know it's really important mid-corner for the bike to steer off throttle or at least hold its line when you initially pick the throttle up and the Ducati struggles with that everybody knows that but Jorge was talking about on corner entry that he was having to adjust to using the brakes so much deeper in the corner and it, it it surprised me because we all I mean trail braking is usually everything for us at the top level because not only to utilize it to help you steer the bike sooner in the application leaning angle, but also to keep some weight on the front, you know, for front grip. And Valentino, sound like Jorge, the Yamaha was really good on mid-corner steering. Well, I know Valentino is really late on the brakes, so in that aspect alone, Jorge and Valentino wouldn't have anywhere near probably the front, front setup, front chassis or front suspension you know, uh, setup. In, where Vinales, I agree, is is more similar to Valentino in his writing style.
0: Um, before before we started recording, um, we were talking about Marquez and Vinales and how that they're probably the sort of two main protagonists for the title. Um, so ju- I'll just jump in, actually. If You can hear things in the background. That's because Ari Vatanen's on stage quite near us. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so be- bear with us. But uh, the yeah. So Marquez Vinales is that a, a really those two? Is that what what we're looking at for this season?
2: Well, I think this is this is what i noticed or what i believe uh after watching him in, in phillip island and there was one part where they actually went out together when mark came into the championship in 13 um, and he you know broke my record with the race win in, in austin and then went on winning the championship one of the things that i liked about him coming into it was he was going to raise the level I think of everyone else he he has that ability and and Jorge even talked about that and Valentino talked about that is is you know Mark um, forced them to raise the bar a little bit higher and now it'd be interesting to see but I think the battle with finales is gonna make Mark go into another gear and I think finales to go with him that could be a real difficult thing for Valentino and Jorge. Um, not because they can't, but just that, you know, it's, it's like Kenny and I in 83. One of the things about 83 off-field that made that championship unique was if you look at the lap times from year to year, between 82 and 83 at each of the Grand Prix, Kenny and I went quite a bit faster than the year before and mainly just us you know and so we we pushed each other it's one thing reason I respect Kenny so much Now Kenny was just 31 he wasn't 39 like Valentino but the fact that Kenny because I know how much quicker I was between 82 and 83 not just in the bike but in my performance what I adjusted my mid corner direction change was much quicker and I was 21 years old and still dramatically improving and Kenny stayed right with me and pushed me even more and I think you're going to see that with the two young guys, with Valentino. I mean, with with Mark and, and Maverick. What do you think? I, I think.
3: Yeah. I, 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 to me, I think unless something strange happens, I think it will be Maverick versus Mark. I'm not and, saying it'll Yeah. You could well be right that that, that they're going to push each other and and drag themselves ahead of everyone yeah. else. So obviously, last year we had nine, a record nine, nine different winners. Yes. This year could be very different. Yeah. But who knows? Well, maybe I mean, not, you know, there's so many. Other variables with Hawke going to Ducati, and I mean I, that's been the thing with the Ducati for the last few years. You know, it it will win one or two races. Yeah. Well, last year it won two races. There were always two or three tracks where it would work well, um, and I think that'll be the same this year. I could be completely wrong. Hawke could win in 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 Qatar because he goes very well there, and the Ducati goes really well there. But well, but. Just because he wins in Qatar doesn't mean he's going to ch- challenge sure. for the title. I think, sure. you know, look at him at Phillip Island, like you're saying, the mid-corner turning problem. They've got long corners there. If you can't get the thing turned mid-corner, you are completely lost. Yes. Because, you know… <laughs> um, yes. So…
2: Well, the only thing you can do is you roll off throttle or you can't accelerate. I mean, that if the bike won't hold its line or keep steering, that's your only choice and, and you lose your momentum. What I was going to say was, the other thing about last year, because you brought up about the nine different winners, and it'd be great to see that this year. And, and I'm not you know, throwing the other guys or saying they can't compete with Mark and, and Maverick at all, Cal and, and, and the other, other guys. But usually what you see after a season like that, with the manufacturers specifically, is you see them raise the level of the work spikes too a little bit you know there's a little bit of that in there where because i can promise you mark and danny were saying listen you know we we, we needs it they they don't want that many other people having a chance at winning it's just the way it is and the same thing with valentino and and maverick or if it would been hori is valentino was saying listen you know we we need some separation here and uh and and last year was the first year of the of the ecu the new box they have a whole year now of refinement with what they're they're set up in the engine characteristics yeah. and stuff so i think uh,
3: just talking about the, the you know the factory guys wanting saying hey go, hey to the factory people yeah to the engineers saying hey i want you to focus on us a little bit more because because <laughs> yeah. we got problem enough as it is without having you know. exactly but exactly. I, I think hrc seem to have quite a cal seems to be really in there with with hrc absolutely yes and, and and they seem to value his input yes the, the, you know Honda have made a, they haven't had the right engine last year they didn't have the, the right engine the year before and I think both of that was largely well partly due to Mark and Danny may maybe making the wrong call during testing and yeah and I think they've thought well actually we could do with another guy here yes giving us mm-hmm. another and Cal being very direct in his opinions and so on um, So I kind of thought, there's no way that he's going to do what he did last year, Crutchlow. But I think he he actually could be quite strong. And You look at his race pace from Philip Island was actually very, very strong. And you think, wow, he actually, he could be up there, you know, whether he wins another race, I don't know. But I think he will be up the sharp end, you know, which will be good to see. Um, I'd... just thinking about Marquez
0: finding another gear that's worth a sort of season ticket on its own, isn't it? I mean, imagining him going to another level. Well, I think that's a perfect moment. Um, <laughs> just uh, for me to talk about this, um, there's a, a lifestyle thing that you can do on Mercedes-Benz website. And if you go to mercedes uk forward slash lifestyle, it's extremely clever. You can put in your car registration number if you own a Mercedes, and then it can tell you all the things that you can buy for it, whether it's baby seats or uh, cup holders or iPad holders, um, it's actually extremely clever. For the number of times that I've bought something that is for an entirely different model of car from mine, um, highly recommended. So do head along to mercedes so we You touched on, on Honda and Cal and things, but one of the big things from Honda this year is its new engine. Um, and it's actually done a sort of an extra private test that you were saying you know, is almost unheard of. Just talk us through, what what is this engine? Why, why change? Well, it's a
3: a big bang engine. It's something that it, it's not a new concept. All the other factories use it, apart from KTM. Um, it, it started in 500s when Freddie was racing 500s. It did. comes from dirt track actually in 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 the states when they were trying to basically you kind of bunch the power pulses together to kind of it just gets the tire to hook up better and makes the bike easier to manage, especially over race distance. And um, I think Honda have you know they've had the screamer engine for some years. Screamer engines are much more efficient fuel-wise and yes. a few years ago we had 20 litres, so Getting an engine to the end of the race was a real problem Now you've got 24 litres, so I think you can you don't need this This one of the big advantages of the Screamer is gone. Yes. So so they're, they're going to big bang and it makes the engine the engine more User-friendly, but they've obviously got a. You've got to change your riding style a bit Yeah, and and it makes the engine braking becomes very different and, and obviously Freddy Road Screamer engines in 500's and he rode Big Bang. So there's right. probably no one better yeah, to gonna, ask than Freddie.
2: Well, what and that's exactly right, man. And you, you said all the, the technical side of it. From the riding side of it, I'll never forget the very first different fine engine we had was actually in 1985. I tested, I was in Surfer's Paradise and they had, a, they had this engine there and they and Earth said they want to test it, but you got to stay another day. And I said, okay, and I'd been there for nine days testing, and, but I stayed. And I did a few laps. It vibrated. It was real flat, didn't have any overrev, which I love engines with rev, And so I said, well, it's okay, you know, but it, was nothing, it was, wasn't spectacular at all. That summer, we're at Le Mans, and I'm struggling on the V4 at, at Le Mans, and I couldn't get the power to the ground. And Irv said, you remember that engine that we tested? well we have it because I tested and they kinda continued moving forward with it. He said we could put that in and probably would help on the bottom, we put it in. I went out, got pulled, won the Grand Prix. And it was it was basically sealed it to where I could go to Silverstone. But that was, it wasn't anywhere near like the Big Bang that we got years later. So if we move forward to 92, I tested the Honda in South Africa and it was amazing the difference. And this is where it's different. Right away, and this is where Mark is going to benefit, is I love, I can, I could if I can get the power to the ground, if the bike holds its line, I'd pick up the throttle back there. You know, I literally like to pick the throttle up sooner and sooner and sooner. And it makes all the difference, corner exit, your exit speed, uh, your consistency on being able to pick the bike up, and all the things that, um, that save tire, consistent race pace, late in the race, things like that. And so that's what, it, that's what the Big Bang engine does. It allows, as, as Matt said, it, to get the power to the ground, but it also, it, it, it's that initial pickup of throttle is a little, that transition into the power band is a little bit smoother. On the two stroke, it was tremendous. That day I tested in, in South Africa. In fact, when I asked Irv, I said, what do you th-? He said, you can pick up the throttle even sooner than you realize, and it was true. And so with this engine, I think we're seeing that in testing with Mark. Is his race pace is improved because the bike s- is so much easier to get it off the corner and for someone of his ability that is like giving him an advantage and um, and I think it's it's certainly as we talk about the M1 you know that's what's been you know that fire and order the the cross plane and um, it's just an you know it's interesting it's you know it's not something new the Harley-Davidson dirt trackers you know that's that's what made them so good on slick grooves and getting their power to the ground is is the way they fire. Yeah. You
0: know, have you r- ridden sort of recent MotoGP bikes? Um, well, yeah, I've ridden the, I, the 990, what, yeah. to
2: 800. So what, what you know, just
0: to try and kind of um, for the listeners and the and the viewers, what, what are these things actually like to ride? Because I mean, they are so so quick. Yes. Um, and it, it yeah, you know, I think because the MotoGP riders are so good, they don't make it look easy. But you know, they they've yeah, they, they make it look a lot easier than it actually is. Yeah, just, put, sure. just tell people a little sure. bit about, about the, the well, current bikes.
2: Well, the, the modern MotoGP bikes, because of the amount of horsepower they have, the electronics are, are necessary. And what the electronics do is, as they've evolved over the years, because I rode the very first MotoGP bike in '01, McDewan and I, we were at Motegi for the Grand Prix and and at that time the electronics was more reactive instead of proactive for example i'd coming on the front straight away the rear rear tire broke traction the electronics kicked in and kind of corrected itself before i could get off the throttle and i thought okay you know that that was that was a really good thing um nowadays and and you see it even on the modern sport bikes i rode the fireblade the new Fire, honda fireblade a few weeks ago in, in portugal they they're more proactive and they're in the background and what what they do is they you know if you get a little too abrupt with the throttle the electronics can help you out and uh but still they're like any any race bike to ride it on the very edge is extremely difficult um they accelerate so hard the modern bikes um the so much stopping power and the rigidity of the bikes, because of that much horsepower, is one of the things that I think they're, they're always working on to try to get that feel back. But, you know, the bikes have, have evolved. The packages, the chassis, suspension, tire performance, all that works better together, you know, uh, than, let's say, a bike 20 years ago or 30 years ago.
0: Now, obviously, one of the, one of the big movements, 2017, or the end of last year, um, Lorenzo to Ducati, uh Ducati has had a difficult time over recent years but it is it does seem to be improving um Matt what what can we expect from from Lorenzo at at the Italian team well
3: as we were saying I think I think it's going to be quite up and down certainly in his you know to Ducati um Lorenzo is the kind of final piece of the jigsaw since Gigi Deligny came in at the end of 2013 at which point Ducati had been in a horrible doldrums for three, four, well, ever since Casey left, because Casey had basically been digging digging them out of a hole for years, you know, and it was basically him that was doing it. And as soon as he left, that was it. They didn't win another race for six years. So to them, Lorenzo is, is, you know, they've been chipping away. The bike's been getting better and better and better. And he, okay, we buy the top rider, a top rider, and, and away we go. Um, but I don't think it's going to be quite that simple. I think the bike's still going to be up and down. It's going to have tracks that it works at, and it's going to have tracks that it doesn't work at. And, and the strong point of the Japanese bikes, uh, the Honda, the Yamaha and the Suzuki, all, all of them really, is that they're very, the Honda less so probably, it's less neutral, but um, they basically work well wherever you go, you dial them in a way. Ducati's never been like that, you know, and it's more of a kind of, speak to riders who've come off Japanese bikes onto the Ducati, they say it's a lot more raw, you know, a lot more like a kind of V8 hot rod kind of against a kind of nice, you know, saloon car. Yeah, know. But what, why is that? How? What, surely, do you have to want to get rid of uh, that characteristic? I think, well, you know, you could argue, you know, it's a race bike, it doesn't need to be comfortable, but then you know maybe being comfortable is a positive thing you know it's it's a hard one you know it's very difficult for a a group of engineers to just become another group of engineers you know they have a, a, a way of working and and that way of working gets passed from engineer to engineer in that company so it's very difficult just to completely switch the way you design a motorbike overnight and Ducati have always had their own way of doing things and you know that's been one of their own biggest advantages many times sometimes it can be a disadvantage so but yeah you're right that they have been I would say making their bike for want of a better phrase more Japanese in recent years and trying to make it more of a corner speed machine which obviously should suit Lorenzo but you know it's going to take a while for him to adapt to it and for them to adapt the bike for him I I think he could win two three races but I think some other races they'll be tearing their hair out and it'll be interesting to see how Jorge reacts because he's not Although he, you know, does a lot of um, meditating and stuff like this. So, you know, the reason he meditates is because he's quite, he runs quite hot. You know, yeah. he, he, he's, he's a little bit wild in the head and he needs to meditate and, and bring himself down. And he's been with the Yamaha for eight, nine years. And that bike is a joy to ride at all times. He's now in a situation where, you know, how his patience is going to work with things not going his way, that would be very
2: interesting to see how he deals with that. And the responsibility. You know, there's a responsibility that is there for him now because everyone knows why Ducati hired him. I mean, they've stated it. Now they want to win the championship. And so it, uh, there's, there's more than just the fact of adapting to a new bike. But he's been given that responsibility and being paid that amount of money to accomplish that. You, you were talking about characteristics. It's fascinating how there's certain characteristics a bike has. For example, I brought up being in Portugal a few weeks ago, and I and I only bring it up for this reason, is that I haven't ridden a Fireblade in quite a few years, really my 08 bike. Three laps, it was like going home. And when I ride my NSR 500, there's a certain feel to it that is very similar to what I, with the Fireblade. You get on, I get on an M1, and there's, it feels like a Yamaha. There's a certain aspect of the engineering, the technique, a culture that's within a company that you see, and and for me, it's one of the things I actually like about riding, And, and everybody out there who rides a motorcycle or has their favorite bike, You know you don't have to be a grand prix racer to understand that it's one of the great things about riding a motorcycle in in my opinion is there's there's characteristics and and so that is 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 interesting and you see that i know for example um when i was doing the bike development of the original nsr project is that one thing i would drill into them and, and just constantly talk about is forgiveness forgiveness adaptability as a rider is that I don't want I don't want to have to ride a bike to a certain level to get it to work which is I think where they're at a little bit with the Ducati is the amount of work it takes to change direction you you hear Paul Spog and them and Bradley talk about with the KTM is you got to ride a certain level what I want and this is where I think the Yamaha is is at that level is it's a bike that will go with you I want a bike that I can go to that level, which is at that edge, and maybe a little beyond if I have to, and I kind of know what it's going to do. It'll work with me, you know?
3: Uh, th- that's another why, reason why Honda have gone to the Big Bang, is because yes. when they had the Screamer, they also had their own electronics, and they could massage the engine exactly. character and so on to make it do what they wanted. Now they've got the control ECU, exactly. they can't do that. That's right. So they've had to, you know, they cannot tame the Screamer that's anymore. Right. So they've had to go to a Big Bang KTM come in now with a screamer and straight away the riders yes. are going oh my god yeah you, you, this you got to ride this bike really wild it's a real beast so yeah. straight away they're saying exactly the same things exactly. about the KTM that yeah. people were saying about the Honda and so it will be very interesting to see whether KTM you know they could overnight they could of say course. tomorrow right we're going to go to a big bank yeah wouldn't be a big problem for them a small company they can make that change very quickly but it, it will be interesting to see mm. whether they can make it work and if they can't how quick they go, who knows? They might already have a big bang engine on that. They might be going, oh, we need to already explore other avenues. You
0: why, know? why did they go down the Screamer engine route then?
3: Well, engineering wise, numbers wise, it's a much better solution. You know, on the dyno, it'll give better numbers. Um, it's much better balanced. Uh, it uses less fuel, it's better on the overrun. So all these things, tick, 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 you know, think that, that's the more way to reliable. go. It's, it's easier to make more reliable and produce the power. Yeah. But Absolutely. that's the weird yeah. thing about motorbikes, you know, that until it might look really good on on a dyno, but then you give it to the rider you know, and he's yeah. going, oh, my God, you know, they're yeah. saying. But and, and, and that's been a thing in motorbike racing forever, hasn't it? it? Has. But here you yes. go, Freddy, this yeah. thing's got 10 more horsepower exactly. and you're going, oh,
2: I don't that's
3: I cannot use that. ten. Yeah,
2: I've know. come in and, and some of the, a couple of times with the engineers and they go, but it's better. And I go, well, if it's better, you maybe you can ride it. But but not me, you know. Right.
0: Uh, that's brilliant. I'm um, so going to come back to Ducati in a second, but because we we're talking about KTM, how serious an effort is is this, um, is uh, this very, squad? Because uh, you know, how long is it going to take them to go from where they are at the moment, off the pace, to being competitive?
3: Uh, the, 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 the first thing about KTM, everything they've done in motorcycle racing, they, they've won at. You know, they, 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 they came in with one, two, five, two strokes. They'd never won the world title, but they should have done one year, but they didn't for various reasons. They were winning races with a one two five two stroke, they were winning races with the Grand Prix with a the two fifty two stroke, they've won the Dakar how many years in a row now? They 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 ruled at Motocross and Enduro and for years and years and years. They came into Motor three, you know, against Honda right. and started beating Honda straight away, which really didn't please. Yeah, it's Honda. not easy. Yeah. Exactly. And now they're coming in this is the the holy grail, the the final frontier. And yeah. you know, they obviously know what they're doing they're not getting ahead of themselves. They know exactly what they're doing. They've got a very good bunch of engineers, very open-minded. Because they haven't been here before, this level, they're very open-minded. Most of the other companies have been in there for years. So they're very, this is how we do things. Da, da, da. So KTM are coming in and they've got very open minds. And I, I think they'll do really well. I, I, I really do think they will. I, I think this year almost just don't take, you know take notice, but it's a testing year. You know, it's their first year in MotoGP. Honda did their first year in MotoGP in 1966, Yamaha in 1972 or 1973, Ducati in you know 1970 something. So, you know, it's a give them a year and then start worrying about lap times. In 2018, I would say.
0: So, but they already seem to be having sort of arguments with Honda, aren't they? KTM, what's going on there? Because they seem to be quite a feisty bunch.
3: Yeah, they, they they seem quite keen to, to to pick battles. I think I think that comes back from in Motor Three Honda were very unhappy. Kinda of Honda saw Motor Three as a kind of production bike championship. You know, you go in and you buy your bike for thirty thousand euros or forty thousand euros or whatever and you go racing. And obviously KTM came in with a factory bike, fair enough. No law against so, it. But Honda kind of that kinda of rankled them a bit because obviously KTM with a factory bike beat the Hondas. So I think that was probably the start of it. I don't know whether it goes back further. It, it, it might go back to motocross because obviously they've been together in motocross for many, many years. So I, I, as far as I know, it started in Motor 3
2: Yeah. And I think too that I, I read something or heard something about an issue with the Paris car, and there were some some things that, that were going on there. It, it's it's interesting because these um, the president or the chairman of the company said you know they want to win the world championship and they want to beat honda and he stated that at their launch the other day and and you got to have that attitude you know if you come into it well we're going to do okay or we you know we're just out there but if but if you want to really achieve you have to believe that you can do it and and they've done it and so i I think it's i think it's going to be interesting to see the situation they have as the team sits it'd be obviously be very difficult to win the world championship, but if they continue and willing to, to make changes, as you said, the key is is having an open mind and saying, okay, if this doesn't work, we'll, we'll try this. That's going to be the key. You know? I,
3: I think also, KTM, um, there's another interesting part of them that, that uh, they've obviously been having this battle with Honda for many years. How sensible they are to really pick that a vocal public fight with him, with them. I'm not sure because when they picked that fight with Moto3, Honda came back. They put yeah. their their MotoGP engineer onto the Moto3 bikes, and they and they beat, they beat KTM. So you know, don't make Honda angry. Yes. I mean, I remember Kenny, Kenny Roberts, who was obviously running the Yamaha team back in the early 90s when the Big Bang came out in 92, and and, and just beat everything. Kenny sort of said, oh, because he used to sort of take take the mick out of honda oh, yeah. because their bikes sure. were a bit a zone because they used to high side quite a bit and, yes. and he was like oh I, I shouldn't have been so rude about them because now they come out with this bike which is so much better than ours so it, it, there's quite an interesting dynamic there you know
0: um do we, do we sort of went off on, onto ktm but there's something i wanted to ask you about lorenzo ducati freddy and is that i mean he's you know his riding styles super smooth sort of high, high um quick um into sort of mid corner uh, speed and anything like that but is he going to have to change his style for this Ducati? Yes. Is, he, has he, is Lorenzo a kind of a style changer, like Rossi or you know, someone like
2: that? Well, him? if you look at, well, if all we have to go on is, is history. And from the 250 to the MotoGP bike, he probably, as it turns out, could not have gone to a better bike to suit the way he rode. Which is, he's really good at anticipating the direction of the bike at mid-corner at the highest speed possible. You watch him when he's on, like going through turn one in Valencia. It's just precision. And it all, you know, that shows a tremendous amount of ability to anticipate the proper point of turn in and carrying the speed. And like I said earlier, I was surprised to hear how little bit of brake, a little amount of brake pressure he utilizes as he turns the bike in. He can anticipate it. And the bike allowed him to be able to do that. Now we're seeing, he he said that he is having to adjust his riding style and change it to use more brake pressure because the Ducati, if he doesn't do it, it won't finish the corner. And that means having to run too much lean angle, too deep into the corner, and the bike is, is pointed the wrong direction. Instead of it pointed here, it's here. And the thing is, if it's here, it's still got to turn too much and you can't get on the throttle. And so that's going to be the biggest challenge for him, as well as the unpredictability of the bike from racetrack to racetrack. And so the whole year is going to be adapting. And it, the only way we're going to know is on Sunday afternoons, you know, at yeah, the end I, of the race. I, th-
3: I think you, you might say that that's the kind of mark of a really, true, truly great rider is somebody that can adapt. Sure. Uh, Obviously, Valentino's done it. You know, uh, Jorge, as you said, went from an Aprilia, which was all-corner speed, to the M1, which can use all-corner speed. And and, and now, this is the big test. Sure. Can he change to adapt to a different bike? So like you say, he's under
2: a lot of pressure. He's under a tremendous amount of pressure, yeah. From all directions.
3: Of course.
0: Is, Is there an element of, you know, obviously, Rossi went off to Ducati. It didn't work out. Lorenzo and Rossi have always sort of such great rivals, and uh, you know, is there anything in Lorenzo's mind saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm I'm never going to be considered better than Rossi if I stay in the same team? I have to go and do, do. Well, that's
2: part of what this uh, challenge is. Yeah, at Ducati, what he didn't. He wants to do something Valentino couldn't because he's not going to win, you know, that many. Yeah, it's it, and so that's part of it for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, which Uh, is just another pressure. Yeah, which (laughs) is exactly. Well, that's even a more personal one. Yeah. For him. Which can be the worst. Exactly, because, of course.
3: they're the ones that really get you here,
2: Absol- aren't they? Well, they're heart. the ones where no one else is around that you yeah. feel. Absolutely, yeah. I'd, I'd,
0: I'm glad I'm not Lorenzo on the MotoGP grid this year. Uh, this yeah. is a lot more pressure on him um, uh, than normal. But uh, Suzuki, we haven't talked about them yet. Um, uh, they were quite fast at the test, weren't they, Matt?
3: I, I think what they've done, I don't think it's really been shouted about enough, really, because you know they 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 were out of MotoGP for five years, um, and when they were in MotoGP, you know they weren't throwing as nearly as much effort into it as the other factories, and it showed. Then they were out for five years, um, and they came back straight away, and the bike was like, wow, you know, this is a really good motorcycle, and and I I think it might have the best chassis out there. It's just so I mean you just look at it, and it looks almost like a 250. It looks so tiny and. Um, and they say that they chose Iannone specifically for his style. He's so got a very, very attacking kind of style. And, and I think last year, the only guy that crashed less on the Michelins than he had on the Bridstones was Vinales, which is probably something about the rider. All the other riders crashed twice as much on the Michelins as they had on, on Bridstones. Vinales crashed half as much. He's the only guy. So that might be partly down to him. But I think it's also partly down to the bike. It's very nice going into corners. And I think Ian Oni is very attacking going into corners. So I think it could really work. And the thing is, pretty much on a par with speed with the Yamaha now, you know? And so it would be great to see them, because they're such a tiny little company compared to Yamaha and Honda. And Ducati, in the size of their race
2: department, tiny. Um, it would be great to see them in there as well, you know. It's what's interesting about the characteristics of the bike, is it 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 kind of holds to form. What I was saying earlier, one of the things about the GSX-R one thousand for years has been its rideability, the chassis, um, the forgiveness of the bike. And that, as you said, that bike with Anoni, who is an attacker, the bike it's it's one of those situations where it could be a perfect fit. Yeah, he he needs a lot of forgiveness. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know he. He does, or, or he could, exactly, and um, so I think it'd be it'd be interesting to see um, if they have stepped up, because we know that Honda has, and we know that Yamaha, as we were talking about, and so it'd be interesting to see where Suzuki, um, as the season goes on, how, how it plays out. You, you do sometimes see that
3: with factories that, um, you know, they kind of seem to catch up a bit, and you think, hey, are they really caught up next last right. year and this year will be the time where they do catch up, but I yeah. know uh, because yeah. everybody else has gone like exactly. that. So You know, there's sometimes factories with smaller resources and so on, you know, they're, they're improving at the same rate as the factories with the bigger resources, but yeah. you need to do more than that exactly. to actually get on a level, you yeah.
0: know. You know, with, with all these factories in MotoGP and, you know, the sort of roll call of the names, the riders at the moment, Freddie, I mean, is it fair to say that we are experiencing a golden age? I think it's always easy to look back and say, oh, the, you know, the 1990s, what a great era that was, or, or whatever it is. But actually, I th- it's quite, sometimes quite difficult to admit that right now is one of, one of the sort of sports great eras. Would you agree with that? That it's, Well, it's I think there? it's
2: certainly, it's certainly, a, it's a great era and you have, you know, as it last year, it showed how many different riders won races. Um, obviously you still have the top two or three guys that week in and week out are always there um, and it's great when you have as we're seeing this year to me what's exciting is finales and mark and and where they can push themselves to get to that next level of performance and then who can stay up there with them you know who's who's going to be willing or who can do it we can, again even if it's one race but for sure week in and week out so i, I think it's a it's a great time um, with the manufacturers involved with ktm getting involved uh... Perilia, you know we really hadn't mentioned them but a getting involved um, you know to push along but still it's a jamal and honda and now ducati but it's it's still going to be about them and and i i'm I'm one of those that I I just want to see great racing you know i I like to see guys push themselves I'm looking for the uniqueness you know part of that is cuz I'm I'm as inside as they come you know I call it inside the fence and outside but I as far as what I notice and what I pick up on on everybody and you respect cuz I know how difficult that is you know to do that and or to do something that no one else has done and um you know we're in that we're in that era right now. You know that we could see that. Yeah,
0: because so I've, I've just been shown a sign saying that you're on you're on stage in 10 minutes, so <laughs> shouldn't hold you up for That's any longer. Um, but what an incredible season that we've, we've got to look forward to, um, and exciting stuff. that but looking at the sort of the motorsports MotoGP A team here, because we've obviously got usual content from you, Matt, throughout the year, and and Freddie, you're going to be contributing as well through video, audio, and, yeah, and all that stuff, yeah, which is really exciting. Be great. Really Look exciting. forward to it. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for all the insights. Well, insight, no, I enjoy
2: that? it's it's being here with you guys. It really it really is well, great. That's, that's well, a I appreciate that. So, yeah, it's very but yeah. kind of,
0: Matt, thank you so much, yeah. and thank you to Alan behind the camera, um, and uh, thank you to all the listeners and the viewers as well. We're going to be back very soon for another motorsport podcast in association with Mercedes-Benz. Thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and we'll see you then. Bye bye for
1: now. Some things are made to cope with puddles and rain. Others deal with the stickiest of mud. And as for the snow, that takes a warm coat and sure footing. But when it comes to dealing with all conditions, there's only one thing that springs to mind. Mercedes Benz Fullmatic, all wheel drive performance in any condition. So, whatever the weather or road throws at you, you're ready. To see the Fullmatic range for yourself, visit your local Mercedes Benz retailer.